Thank you for listening to sermons by Chaplain Braswell. This ministry desires to help people know and live for Christ through the preaching of God's Word. And now, today's message. Well, good morning. Happy 4th of July weekend. How exciting is that? Okay, happy four-day weekend. There we go. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe that got more of an excitement than 4th of July. Independence Day. Yay, freedom. Right? Come on, guys. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Uh, well, I'm not actually going to do a 4th of July weekend sermon uh, because it didn't exist when the Bible was written. However, we are still happy to be independent. We are happy to be a part of a country that gives us our freedom. We are happy that we are able to be here and worship the Lord with freedom. We are happy, if nothing else, that no one is arresting us for being at church, causing us to have to go to church underground and have people imported from other countries to teach us what the Bible says. That is a blessing. And we should be thankful for it. And I would say that the opposite of depression is gratitude. And we could spend an awful lot of time being thankful for the gifts that we were given just by being born in a place that doesn't arrest you for worshiping the way you want to worship. It's a blessing. It's a blessing, and it's my privilege as a chaplain to be able to protect that right even in the Army. Um, And it is my blessing to be... Uh, here today. I am Jeremiah Verdon. I am the chaplain of the 303rd EOD, ready to protect, and we're going to be looking at Philippians chapter 3. So if you get your Bible, if you have your Bible, I hope you do, uh, open it up, get Bible app. If you got your phone with you, it will have online the Bible as well. If you can look at this with me, Philippians chapter 3, we're going to be looking at verses 17 through 21. Um, this is a letter from Paul. Paul's in prison, and we've done a lot of time talking about the fact that he was in prison and that he was uncomfortable, and he's talking about how to have joy and how to survive uncomfortable situations, but also what this letter is, is it is a letter from a spiritual leader to those who he has led to Christ, who he loves, And he even calls himself their spiritual fathers. As in, he led them to Christ and now he is responsible at some level for their ability to grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. And this passage that we're going to look at today is very much like a father speaking to his children. Now, if you had a good father, which I did, when the father speaks to the children... It is a loving situation. It's not always fun, but it is always a loving situation. That's the situation I had. I never felt unloved, but I often felt like I might die. So, like, there was this weird situation here, right? Like, this weird thing going on. So, um, Paul starts talking about who you allow to influence your life. So we're, going to, uh, we're staying in our theme, in all things, which I think is a central point of the book of Philippians. And in all things, choose who you will imitate. I grew up in a uh, very interesting place in South Carolina. Um, 
So I grew up in Lawrence, South Carolina, which even if you moved to Greenville, which most people have heard of, and you said you went to Lawrence District 55 High School, they said that's make-believe. It doesn't exist. Nobody believes that you actually went there. So you have Columbia, South Carolina, which is a big town, and then you got Greenville, South Carolina, which is a big town, and we live slap dab in the middle, and those big towns, they really had to get their drugs from somewhere, and that's, that's where I grew up. That's the place where I grew up. So I went to this really, like, friendly middle school, very kind middle school. Uh, we got into fights like little middle schoolers do, but it was all middle school stuff. Nobody ever threatened to kill you. It was just, hey, we're just going to get into a fight. Um, and then my mom said that after I got out of eighth grade, she said, you were just the sweetest kid, but like moms do. You were just the sweetest kid. You had the brightest eyes, just a sweet heart. She said that I went to high school, and within four days of being in my high school, she said there was a hardness about you that she could not break through. She said there was a brand new personality that came out in you, and it was a hardness. Now, where did that come from? Was my heart different? Did I become a different person, or did I adapt to who I was hanging with? Did I adapt to who my central core people were? I went to a high school where if you didn't know what the sight lines were, you were probably going to get jumped, which I did, right? If you grow up that way and you're going to those areas and you're looking <coughs> at those things, it's going to change the way you are, and that was my mom's heart about it. She was like, oh my goodness, her, I'm heartbroken because we were a poor family. So both my mom and my dad had to work. So she was heartbroken because I had to send you to this school and it was changing who you were. And by the time I got out of high school through various things, I was a drastically different human being than that sweethearted young man. Anybody relate? Can anybody relate to that situation? Yeah. My mom's heart broke over that. She said she cried lots of nights because she just watched me become a harder and harder individual. I never understood that. For me, I was like, that is just, mom, you're so emotional. My mom's a, from Boston, so her emotions are different than South Carolinian emotions. So her emotions come out a little bit harder, but she was so, emo like, so emotional over this, right? Um... And then I got older and I had kids. And when I tell you that they are the smile on my face many days, they really are. Before they talk, right? Like you, you, you get up and you see them and they say, ah, good morning, daddy. That's sweet. And just it goes from, oh, I'm awake and I don't want to be awake to just the heart of my life. And I have seen as my kids have decided to play outside on Schofield Barracks, that now they know words I wish they didn't. They know orientations I wish they didn't. They have things in them that I wish they didn't. And, and we talk to them about it, and they go, I don't know why I said that. I said, I know why you said it, because little blah, blah, blah said it like 15 times down the street, and now you're saying it. And what's it do to my heart to watch my sweet children saying things that they ought not say? Yeah. 
breaks my heart. That's my heart that breaks over this, right? And you can't be like, oh, you children, you're evil. No, the world is evil and it influences us, right? And the Bible has a lot to say about who we hang out with. You're like, dude, are you going to read this scripture eventually? Yeah, I am. But the Bible has a lot to say about who we hang out with. With 1 Corinthians 15, 33, do not be deceived, bad company ruins good morals. Proverbs 12, 26, one who is righteous is a guide to his neighbor, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Whoever walks with the wise, <coughs> sorry, I'm not contagious, it's a science affection, you're not going to die if I cough, I promise. Iron sharpens iron, Proverbs 27, 17, iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. 2 Corinthians 6, 14, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers, for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness, and what fellowship has light with darkness? Proverbs 17, 17, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born of adversity. Now, I can just keep scrolling on how many verses the Bible has to tell us to talk about who we hang out with. It is, it, you start in Proverbs and end in Revelation, and the Bible says, would you just stop hanging out with the people who are corrupting who you are? Yeah. Please. We don't do it, though, do we? Well, I want the world to like me. If they like me, then I'll be cool, and I can maybe make a million dollars. You're not. It's not going to happen because people like you, right? Most of the people who have a million dollars, nobody likes, so just stop it, <laughs> right? Like, being liked by everybody isn't as good as it seems because then you have to work all your days to make sure that they keep liking you and you stop being who you are. And the Bible just tells us over and over and over again, if you've got bad company, you're going to have bad morals. If you've got bad morals, you're going to have a bad outlook. If you have a bad outlook, then you get driven further and further away from the, 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 the relationship with Jesus Christ that you could have. How much more important is it to make sure that your spiritual leaders, the people you follow when you are walking spiritually, are godly men and women? We have those friends we know that if they do something wrong, you're probably going to do it with them. Don't. What if your spiritual leadership is teaching you what is evil? Read with me in Philippians 3, 17 through 21. Brothers, join me in imitating me. And keep, this is Paul to the Philippians. And keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears. Walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly and the glory of their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like glorious body. Be his, to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to the subject all things to himself. My point number one is choose your spiritual leaders and then follow them. Choose your spiritual leaders well and then follow them. Yes. Paul is so like the, it says right here, brothers, 
Joining me, if you're wanting to figure out what I'm going to say next, just read the next verse. I'm just going down the verses. You're like, you know what? I wonder what he's going to say next. Just read the next verse, and you'll be on point with me. But this is it. Verse 17, brothers, joined in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. And a lot of people, whenever they read that, they're like, gee whiz, Paul, that's awfully arrogant of you. Well, if you want to do what's right, do what I do. Now, if I said that, it would be quite arrogant, right? But what he normally says, what Paul normally says, like he says in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, be imitators of me as I am in Christ. Be imitators of me as I imitate Christ. Right? So the idea is, I'm not that awesome, but I'm trying really hard to be like Jesus Christ. So the closer I come to that, that's what you imitate. Imitate me as I am in Christ. And what I, what I want you to see is that we have the example of who we should follow very clear. I want you to look at it. I don't know how many of you have done this. If you haven't done this, I recommend it. Read the whole New Testament. Now, that's, a lot of, that's a lot of pages. It's okay. You got time. Read them. Read the whole New Testament. If you read the whole New Testament, you're going to see that there are three very clear examples in the New Testament on what it looks like to follow Christ. I will spoil it for you. All of them get killed. But... Three very clear examples of what it looks like to follow Jesus Christ. And the, to, to, to be like, the first is obviously who? Who is the example in the New Testament of who we ought to be like? Jesus. Thank you, Sunday school. We know the answer. It is Jesus, yes. right? We ought to be reading and getting to know the personality and getting to know the desires and getting to know the loves and getting to know what drove Jesus so that then we can do exactly as he did. Now, is that intimidating? If the example is perfection, that's intimidating. I had a situation. I used to be a youth pastor before I was a youth pastor. I was a youth intern. And my dad was more cool than I was. Um, if you just picture this guy with a beard who got hit by a car when he was a kid, and now only these fingers work, and he preached. And when he preached, he had this really cool gray beard, and he would preach like this and look just like Obi-Wan Kenobi. That was my dad, right? So he was very cool, and all the kids loved to hear my dad preach because he had a gray beard and did this, and they're like, we will follow Jesus. That's awesome. That's who, is, that's who my dad was, right? And he loved to teach, and we were at this beach retreat, well, a lake retreat because it's South Carolina, middle of South Carolina. We were at this lake retreat, and we were all in this house, and I was downstairs listening to this boyfriend and girlfriend, and the boyfriend wanted to convince the girlfriend that they didn't need to stop doing the things that they didn't need to be doing, if you know what I mean. Kids in the room, right? So he was trying to convince his girlfriend. I'm just sitting down there like I'm about two, three, four minutes away from going up there and whooping this tail's kid butt and this kid's butt and we'll just call it a day and I'll get fired and find another church, right? But instead, this girl was holding her own and she was like, the scriptures 
have given us an example of what we ought to do. And, she, and, he, and he says, well, we can't be perfect. We can't be perfect. My dad's name is Mitchell. And this little 17-year-old brat goes, Mitch, we can't be perfect, can we? And my dad in very South Carolina accent goes, well, the Bible says, be ye perfect as I am perfect. Be ye holy as I am holy. What do you think about that? Now, that's intimidating. Be perfect as I am perfect. Follow Jesus as he is. Pursue perfection. Right? Now, how many of y'all feel like y'all are able to do that? <laughs> Not alone. We just heard about that. As for being per did we already hear about that? Where are we in, in Philippians? Anyways, in Philippians. Not that I have obtained this only, speaking on being perfect, but this I do. We just did that, right? Forgetting what lies behind me and straining forward towards the upper call. That's the sermon we just heard, right? That's what we need to be doing. It's like, ah, okay, you're not going to be perfect, but you can really try really hard by forgetting what lies behind and pursuing forward, right? Now, that is what we need to be doing. But if you feel like you don't have the ability to do that, that's okay. The Bible gives us two more examples on what to do. The first one you get is Peter. Now, Peter is peppermint socks. That's what he has. He is the guy that sticks his feet in his mouth on a over and over and over again. That's who he is. But he is the guy that got pulled in to following Jesus and net just continued to follow Jesus. Yeah, he denied him at, at, at the cross, but he repented immediately, right? And after repenting, became a force for the church that we, we, I would love to see today. He became the rock on which G Jesus built his church. Now we see him screwing up, being arrogant, saying stupid things, and being forgiven. And we can watch this and see what it looks like to follow Jesus Christ as a flawed human being. But the next person that we can see is who? It's Paul. He even writes it, follow me as I follow Christ. Now, Paul is a murderous terrorist who persecuted the church and came to Jesus Christ. Now, I feel like having not killed anybody recently, that this is not a person that I can compete with on what was evil. Right? Yeah. But he is forgiven. Yeah. He repents. And Jesus doesn't just show him that he's Jesus and he shows up to church and goes, oh, well, this is what we do. We go to church. No, it changed his entire being. And he goes on to say, it's not about the law. It's not about following rules. I don't want you to follow rules. I want you to follow the Holy Spirit. And in following the Holy Spirit, I want you to find people who are doing what we have showed you to do, and I want you to follow them until you become the person that is doing what we have called you to do. And then I want people to look at you, and I want them to do what? Follow you. Pick them. That's what you got to do. You find the person that looks like what the Bible says to do. Now, what does that look like? It's very easy. Read the book of Luke and then read the book of Acts. And that's the beginning of the church. Yes. Read it. You're like, Jeez, Jeremiah, you're telling me to do a lot of reading. Yes, it's the Bible. Read it. Read the book of Luke and then read the book of Acts. 
and you look at the example, and I want you to follow. And you're like, you know, I still don't know which person I'm supposed to follow. Good. Go to 1 Timothy. Go to Titus. And you'll see what Paul told those who would lead the church to look like. And you're going to see that they need to have good reputations. That they need to be loyal to their spouse. Now, a lot of people get upset about that little term in there. It means a one-woman man. It just means loyal to your spouse. Someone who is loyal to their spouse. Someone who is self-controlled. Someone who's not a drunk. You don't see them showing up, driving, and getting DUIs all the time. Someone who is gentle. Gentle? That's the person you want to follow? Someone who is not argumentative. Like, wait, I thought all Christians had to argue all the time. No, we don't. The one you're supposed to be following is someone who's not argumentative. Paul spends all of 2 Timothy telling Timothy to stop arguing so much. I'm telling you, that's, that's, if you want to get a lesson from 2 Timothy, it is. Stop arguing so much. Not all arguments are worth having. Just let it go. Someone who doesn't argue so much. Someone who is not a lover of money. Boy, we just counted out half the TV pastors right there. Someone who is able to manage their own house. Their children are respectful. Look actively for those people. Follow those people. And you know what? Those of us who put ourselves up to try to be the ones that you follow, we will work hard to be those people. Because once... This world is over. God is going to hold us to account for whether or not we were these people. Look for them. Point number two. Be careful not to accidentally follow the enemies of Christ. Verse 18. See? Next verse. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Don't miss this with tears part. Don't miss the personality of Paul. I think Paul gets a bad rap for being this dogmatic, like, always looking at the ground, grumpy dude. I don't believe that. I believe he was a loving... People don't go out of their way to follow the guy that's always chastising them. They just don't, right? I think Paul was a loving and kind man. And you see this in his letters. And when he writes these letters... You say, yeah, sure, he gets after Peter, and he's, right? But for the most part, he is a very loving human being. And he is in tears over these children who are following evil men. Men who are the enemies of Christ. Women who are the enemies of Christ, putting themselves up to be leadership, putting themselves up to be those who you ought to follow. And he's in tears because these people he loves are probably going to run into that and they're going to come back using words they ought not use, saying things they ought not say, wondering about things they ought not wonder about, all kinds of upset over his children. Don't miss the love that Paul has in this letter. And, it, it, and he says there are those who are the enemies of of Christ, and you're following him. And the thing is, is, in this passage, and I'm having a hard time figuring out which group he's talking to, he doesn't say exactly who these enemies are. But if you study Paul, notoriously he has two 
sets of enemies. He's got two groups. The first one, and, and he, 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 they, both of them can fit this. In that verse 19, they're just, their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. Their glory and their shame. They're with mindset on earthly things. And the first one, you see him handling in the book of Galatians with the Judaizers. Now, these are the people that tried to tell everybody that they had to follow all the laws to get to heaven. Follow every single law. Now, you can believe in Jesus, but you got to also walk the line. you got to be circumcised. you got to do the dietary laws. you got to do all the legalistic things. And their end is destruction because they cut themselves off from the saving grace of Jesus by relying on good works. Their God is their belly because they won't eat anything. What you put in your belly is what makes you who you are. If you eat the bad thing, then you're, you're evil too. Their God is their belly. Their glory is their shame, which literally you could point to circumcision. You get where this is going. They glory in their shame. And their mindset is on earthly things because their confidence is built on rituals and religion. And I run into people all the time that will never go to church again because they ran into those people. I will never go to church because they were so religious and they hated me immediately because I didn't follow that. I went to church one time and I brought a girl from school who I was like, oh, thank God she's coming to church. But she wore a short skirt, and the pastor changed his sermon to be about short skirts. I was like, dude, stop it. Can we love people? Right? Now, there are these leaders. Can you think of any leaders in the church who are this way, legalistic, to a fault, to where they, you can never live up to it, and you end up being very cultish, and you can never follow Christ, and you can't bring anybody to believe in Jesus Christ because they can't keep those laws either. Guess what? Jesus paid the penalty for the... The crazy thing is, they'll be singing the exact same hymns. Jesus paid it all. Right? They'll be singing about how Jesus set me free, and Jesus paid it all. And meanwhile, they're teaching Jesus paid it all as long as you don't ever drink alcohol. Right? And it's just those laws become a bad leader. You don't believe me? Read the book of Galatians. It's fine. You don't have to believe me. But you can read the book of Galatians. Those were his enemies. The other enemies were the other side. You see it in 1 and 2 Corinthians. They were the people that believed that when you got saved, everything was spiritual, anything, and anything that you did with your body was okay. Just anything you did with your body was okay because it was... Not a big deal. So they ended up saying, if it makes you happy, if it feels good, do it. So their end is destruction because they do not know the restorative God who makes us new. They revel in tearing down what is good. These are his enemies. Right after Jesus died. Their lust is their appetites. Their lust and their appetites, that's their belly, right? Do we know of anybody in the world who follows their lusts and their appetites and they revel in being able to do whatever makes them happy? Their glory is their shame, which is their immoral practices and their mindsets on earthly things. Whatever makes me feel good, 
Can you think of anyone in the world trying to lead us and your children that thinks this way? Has any of you ever heard of the prosperity gospel? We'll deal with low-hanging fruit. This is, this is super simple stuff for anybody who ever reads their Bible. Prosperity gospel, not a real thing. God never promises that you will be a millionaire. He doesn't tell you that you can go to the car lot and claim it in Jesus' name. Doesn't exist. That is not a biblical concept. And I don't care who teaches you. If they are teaching you that, they are an enemy of Christ. There are standards that the Bible has for marriage and standards that the Bible has for the way you live. And if your pastor is saying, well, that's outdated, then you can just take your whole Bible and throw it away. And who cares? And if they're teaching you that the standards of the Bible are outdated, they are an enemy of Christ. Enemy of Christ. Very clear. I'm sure y'all can think of names if you're trying to follow Jesus and watching the TV and say, that sounds like this person. Enemy of Christ. Very simple. I'm not going to list any names because somebody in here is going to be like, that was mean. Enemy of Christ. Right? But that's not as far as it goes. Who are we really leading lead us? Letting that lead us? Who are we allowing to lead us in this world really? Instagram. TikTok. All these things. We, we don't wait till Sunday to listen to them. On average, eight hours a day. <coughs> Depending on how old you are, between four and eight hours a day scrolling on whatever there is in here to pollute your brain. I'm not, I, I, I get on there. I look at stuff. I'm not going to tell you don't. I'm telling you who are you allowing to influence you. Who are you allowing to do these things? Are you keeping up with friends? Or are you keeping up with the culture? Oh, culture teaches us what's right and wrong. And historically, culture is the dumbest person to follow. The worst. If you don't believe me, read. I'm sorry. I keep telling you all to read. I should stop doing that. Right. Look at a documentary at any of the world wars we have fought and what drove it. Culture. Honestly, any of the evil wars that have been befallen us in our history and what drove it? Culture. And I get these kids that are coming up to me and they say, well, I mean, culturally, I don't care. What do I care? Where is truth taught? It's in your Bible. You know that book that you don't read Monday through Friday? That book, that's where truth is taught. You're like, Jeremiah, you seem a little saucy. That's because I don't feel good, and it's not your fault, right? Monday through Friday, we should be reading the book that teaches us truth. Because the world is trying to turn us away. The TV... The TV has a more teach it, prominent teaching atmosphere in most homes than the fathers do. What are we, where are we following? Where are we going? 
And how is Paul saying this? How is Paul talking to his children? How is Paul talking to the church? In tears. Because the end result is what? Is it more Christ followers when you follow the enemy of Christ? No, it is people who are being led away and astray from Christ. He says, you got all these things that are going to tell you what you want to hear. Paul even tells us that one day there's going to be, oh, very. this will be really hard to imagine. One day the church is not going to accept truth, but having itching ears is going to bring in whoever will say whatever they want to hear. you ever seen what it looks like to become a pastor at a church these days? People say, well, what are you going to teach? I'm going to teach the Bible. Yeah, but what? The Bible. Right? Having itching ears, they're only going to bring in people that will say what they want to hear. And then they're going to follow them. Be careful not to follow the enemies of Christ. He says, because here's the big deal. Verse 20. Our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a savior. The Lord Jesus Christ who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body. By the power that enables him, even to the subject of all things to himself. It's kind of like he tells us, guys, don't follow the bad. Don't follow the bad. Have you forgotten? You are not of this world. Hirschbane read earlier. They, they, They don't believe you because they're not of Christ. And if they were of God, they would believe you. And if they were of God, they would love you. But they're not of God, so they hate you. Our citizenship is not here. And if it was, how depressing would that be? Because our citizenship is in the kingdom of heaven. That is where we belong. That is where our reward is. When Paul says, I strain forward for the upward call, he's not talking about a new Mercedes. He's talking about the upward call, the one that God gave, the one that is going to usher us into the kingdom of heaven, where the new Jerusalem is sitting there with multicolors in the throne of God, where there is no pain, no suffering, no shame, no anything evil there, where we will have the ability to live out our worship with Jesus Christ, and there will be no distractions and if that's not exciting to you, maybe you're leading or being follow or following the enemies of Christ because when we get to heaven, Jesus will be front and center. Not your football team, not your uh, knowledge, not how much you knew, not any of these things. It is going to be Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And if that doesn't excite you, maybe you are being led by someone who doesn't love Jesus. Did you forget that your citizenship, and how do you get this citizenship? What was the payment for this citizenship? How were you able to become citizens, heirs, children of Jesus Christ? 
the way that that happened is not because you were awesome. It happened because the Lord God who created the universe, who created the expanses, where when we say we don't even know how big the universe is, can even be said it fits in my hand. He created earth and he put you on it. And then while he put you on it, he said, I want, and this is what's good. I want to know and be known, love and be loved by this person. And there's a problem because this person loves what is evil. And if you say, I never loved what was evil, liar, that was evil, what you just said. You did at some point love what was evil. And I want to have a relationship with him or her. I want him to know and be known. I want him to love and be loved by the creator of the universe. And the only way that that can happen is if there is a sin debt that is paid. And the only one who can pay that debt is the one who made the law. So therefore, I am going to send my son who is going to pay that penalty for you. And having done that, not because you were cool, not because you were awesome, not because anything you did, but because of everything Jesus did, you have the ability to be a citizen, an heir of heaven. Now that's bigger than anything this world can offer. It is better than anything this world can offer. And we need to stop trading this world for that. It's better. Stop following those who would lead you to hell. And instead, follow those who are going to write you letters with tears in their eyes saying, please follow me as I follow Christ. Choose your leadership. See, we're going to do a thing today. This is what um, we're going to do communion. We, we do this on a regular basis. And why do we do it on a regular basis? Those who are going to do music can go ahead and start coming up. The reason we do this on a regular basis is because Jesus told us to, because we have the propensity to forget we have a propensity to say, oh, I'm a Christian, which means I like this and hate this. But that's not what being a Christian means. What a Christian means is that we believe and know that the God of the universe broke his body and spilled his blood that you can be in relationship with him. So when we do this, it is in remembrance. We take the time to remember. We take the time to pray, we take the time to ask for forgiveness of sins. We take the time to put ourselves in a position of remembering that it was through the broken body and the blood of Jesus Christ that we could have a relationship with him. Yes. If you don't believe that, if you don't believe that, gee, gosh, we're so glad you're here. And we hope that you will, you will see this act of worship that we do. Um, it, it's not for those who don't believe, but it is for you to see. So if you do not believe in Jesus Christ, please watch. If you do believe in Jesus Christ, 
if you do believe he died and rose again, if you are a member of the church of God, don't just take it flippantly. Take time. Remember who Christ is. Work through salvation, through your salvation. And when we leave here, this should be a serious thing. The Bible says there are those who sleep because they didn't take this seriously. So please do.